When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, Spartan Pride Podcast. Fans first, Sports Network. We're going to chase it again, picking up our conversation with Hondo Carpenter about the 2013 Michigan State football Spartans. They were out honored at Michigan State during the Washington game. Looks like a long time ago now, but what a year it was. And we're going to pick up our conversation. I hope you saw the first two parts. If you didn't, check those out. We're going to pick this one up at an interesting spot on the schedule, Hondo, because after Michigan State took care of Iowa, 26, uh, I'm sorry, after they took care of Iowa, and then they took care of Indiana, 42-28, maybe a little bit cold, maybe a little bit slow, they end up with a 14-0 win over Purdue. Why was that game so statistically and on the scoreboard so close? And what did Daryl Hazel have that he was able to hang with Mark D'Antonio Spartans so well? First of all, Daryl Hazel is one of the most underrated coaches uh, that's come through the Big Ten. This is a guy that if he had gotten a job at a place that was better than Purdue, I, I mean, who knows what he still would be doing. You may remember, I mean, they had some great games against teams not named Michigan State as well who were powerhouses. And he had a just an ability to scheme in a way he got the most out of the least. In fact, I'm going to tell you a great story one time. Uh, his team was going up against Ohio State, and, I mean, they they battled Ohio State, which at the time, well, th- there was no reason it should have even been close. 
And I know of a friend of mine who's an athletic director at a not only a power five, which obviously Purdue is, but at an elite program. And he said to me, if I had a coaching or a job opening today, and he didn't, he goes, first call I'd call is that guy at Purdue. He goes, he is a great schemer. But like a lot of people, a lot of coaches, they're jumping to try to get that chance. And he jumps to a bad team. And there's a reason they're bad. You know, Mark D'Antonio came to a bad team, but he came at a right time with an athletic director in Mark Hollis that was going to get him everything he needed to do to succeed. That was not the case with Daryl Hazel, but what a great coach, an underrated coach. I'm going to tell you, I you know how much how important it is to me, John, to be a dad. I would let my kid have played for Daryl Hazel in a heartbeat. Well, he well, really did he seem really to scheme well um, and unfortunately didn't get a whole lot of the benefit. You, you make a great point. They played really good teams really well. They didn't have any wins to show for it, but they were able to hang in there. And I remember – the Purdue game being uh, certainly concerning because what it seemed like was Antonio was not really rolling the dice, but holding enough cards that in the end of the day, when you add up all the plays in the football game, all the one-on-one matchups, we're going to have enough to barely, or not barely, but to take care of business. I remember, you know, once it got to 14 to nothing, I remember feeling okay, but um Scheme-wise, I'm not sure anybody really schemed any better than Daryl Hazel at all that year that Michigan State played. Oh, and I'm going to tell you, there was the Purdue game set up the Illinois. Without the Purdue game, there would not have been an Illinois. Mark D'Antonio, Indiana, they go out, they score a bunch of points against Indiana. Everyone's excited. Finally, the foot's on the gas, and Mark D'Antonio comes back during the week, and pound, green, pound. And, hey, this is what we want to do. And there was a lot of people on his staff and on his team that were frustrated. And that next week, um, Mark had used the term about, you know, let the lion out. And it was, to me, it was a realization point for Mark that, okay, I, I can't keep holding back on the bit. You know, I got to let these guys run. I got to let them go. It was interesting because some of his coaches, it wasn't like an intervention. I'm not trying to make it sound like that, but went to him and said, come on, coach. You know, we let's go. We got, the, let's go. And you know, you can trust your defense. Let Connor throw. Who cares if he throws an interception? This defense has got his back. And D'Antonio, who, you know, they, they ruined the, you know, the, they ruined Andrew Maxwell with don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. I, I think they hurt Brian Lewerke as well. Um, and with this don't make a mistake, at some point you got to let your guy make a throw. And well, and you would I think. You get an interception, one interception shouldn't cost you the game. And it, go ahead. No, no, you, you're right. And it reminds me of two things. One, it reminds me of a question I think I asked Antonio the year before, basically, your defense is so good. Does that allow you to be more aggressive? And he didn't like that one. Um, when I look at the notes, I'm looking back at the Spartan Pride Substack, the reposting of the articles that I wrote in real time. I see from that week, uh, the Purdue week, I, obviously the offense looked flat, but there's a, a nice little quote from D'Antonio. All of those guys are experienced with the exception of Jack Conklin, he said about the offensive line. So 
Now we know who Jack Conklin is. Obviously, we 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 hope he gets better really fast and can return to an all-pro level at the NFL. But back then, what we didn't realize was that there was still a lot of offensive line work going. And that Purdue game, really, very simply, the last super sluggish performance of that offense, the Minnesota game we'll get to down the road, but the hay was in the barn by then. If there's nothing else you have on the Purdue game, we will move to my key pivotal game of this 2013 season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, so they came into this game and and Mark had, I don't know, I wouldn't say, I don't know that I would say he took his foot off the brake, but I remember being told, he didn't spend a lot of time in the offensive rooms and, and I, some guys got to him, some guys talked to him and they came out against Illinois and it was, it was just on. And from the moment they got off the bus, Michigan state went at them and Illinois had no answers. I think Illinois expected Michigan state to come out and play conservative like they did the week before. I think Illinois thought, Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State were going to be Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State. They weren't. They caught Illinois off guard, and it was a butt whipping. I mean, you knew it instantly who the better team was, and, and it was Michigan State. Well, I knew it from the absolute key point of the season in that game where the thing took off. And I broke it down in great detail back then because it was such an important series of downs. We're going right before halftime. If you remember, Michigan State is driving and then starts going backwards. A couple of mistakes. Connor Cook takes two sacks. They're going into a stiff win. They're probably out of field goal range. And then you run into the really kind of, at the end of the half, a a very fortunate performance. So, So on a third down, Cook throws it. It goes through one Illinois defender's hands. I think it gets tipped by another to Benny Fowler, who catches it, and it's 14-3. to So Michigan State almost stalls out and crumbles at half. Cook is making mistakes. Then, kaboom, you go, and you're going into halftime 14-3. to Now, from there – I'm sorry. Go ahead. What do you remember about that before the half? Because – See, I I remember it being like, "What's going on here?" Whoa, that was a really fortunate play. I, I didn't. It, it, they looked like they were in trouble for a li- at least from the outside. It looked like they were in trouble before that. Before they used that end of the half to find fifth gear. 
Yeah, no, I to me, they came out were the best team from the very beginning. There was the weather wasn't good, but they were they were experiencing self-inflicted wounds. And the defense just kept bailing them out. And so as long as the defense did, D'Antonio kind of let things go. And at halftime, D'Antonio gave a riveting speech. And basically it was to the offense, you know, you guys have been wanting to go, then go. Because I, I let you. And if it wasn't for the defense, again, again. And, and again, I, I thought I never was concerned about it. Felt like this was a game that they were going to win. I thought they were the better team coming in, even though Illinois was getting some breaks because of Michigan State mistakes. Um, I I, I just felt like in that second half, Michigan State wasn't even the same team. I think no. they scored 28, un, 28 unanswered points and just rolled. They were not the same team. This was the this was to me the all time fifth gear moment for Michigan State football under Mark D'Antonio. They kicked the hell out of Illinois in the second half, 42 to three. We don't see that around Michigan State football. As that second half got going, I was like, wait a second, they're letting them play. And the thing found fifth gear, like it almost never finds because there weren't a lot of blowouts. And obviously if you're in a super close game, like a whole bunch of them um, that they won, you're not, you know, you, you gotta be in fifth gear just to hang. So this is to me, the point where the match was struck and all of a sudden I stepped back and said, Oh, there is a lot this team can do. And they are now in position to make some noise. The Illinois game is the taking off point. The next week is an overmatched Michigan team. What was that environment like? Because it's one thing when you're playing Michigan, it's another thing when you are pretty confidently securely the bigger, stronger, faster, more talented team that's looking to tear through your in-state rival. I remember a couple things about that week. First of all, uh, I know Michigan fans who have season tickets at Michigan State because every two years they get their Michigan tickets and they sell their tickets the rest of the year. Um, they were they could not get anyone who wanted to go. There was not a Mich a lot of Michigan fans. I think they could sense what was happening. They could sense what was going. Michigan was, you know, that to me early in the week. You may remember, John, we talked about that earlier in the week. I said, John, are you a little surprised at how many Michigan fans don't want to go? I mean, it was stunning to me. Um, Michigan State went out there, and Mark D'Antonio, I think, wanted them to be a little bit more conservative Connor Cook was hearing none of it, and they just went on the tack, and they beat Michigan. Now, something happened that week, and I want to praise Mark D'Antonio. He was greatly concerned after whooping that team and coming back like they did against Illinois, what their mindset was, because they're headed to Nebraska, and, and they're getting ready to play in the Cornhuskers. And this was a dangerous team. This was a very, very dangerous team, and it's at Nebraska, which is one of the, the Disneyland of college football where they're so nice to visiting teams, it's hard for teams to even relate. Um, and Michigan State went up to Nebraska and did not play well, including their defense did not play well. And that was an eye-opening game for Michigan State. 
Michigan State, you know, scored a lot of points, but it, it was their defense that really hurt them that game. And I think it was a game where the it was the first game that year where I thought the defense has now believes in the offense. Ah, okay. And it was and it was a game where because up to then I remember several defensive players and some coaches even saying, "Blankety blank, we got to score a touchdown for us to win." Yeah, and and oh man, yeah, yeah. And I remember after the Husker game. It was a different mindset. You heard instead of us, I mean, me referring to defense, it was we. To me, that game is when the narrative inside the locker room changed. A couple of weeks ago, I told you where the where it changed for me. Yep. But it was inside that locker room after that Nebraska game when they realized, when the defense bought in. Everyone bought into the Michigan State defense. But it was after that game when the Michigan State defense bought in on the offense, and all of a sudden now Michigan State fused together, and you knew then. I remember saying it uh, with you. Mm-hmm. They're going to win the Big Ten. They're going to win the Big Ten. They're going to win the Big Ten. You could sense it. You could feel it. You knew after that point, now that the defense buys in in the offense, it's going to be special. So to circle the, circle the wagons a bit <clears> – <throat> It's not easy against Purdue, but it goes the way it's going to go. Illinois, all of a sudden, you find out this team's got a fifth gear. Then they've got Michigan, the right time, the right place, and they just smash them. Then they actually run into probably, arguably, the most athletic team they play on the schedule. And pretty quickly, we do see that Nebraska – it's not that they can move the ball and, 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 and score big on Michigan State, but they're going to score. Taylor Martinez and company, Abdullah, they're not that simple to stop. And the offense has to produce. They do produce. Remember, John, I remember saying after that Nebraska game, it was the first game all year the offense won. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah I, I actually do remember that now. Yeah, they, and obviously they did because, you know, if they hadn't shown up, Michigan State loses 28-24 or 28-17, something like that. And to get Michigan credit, State didn't need them until the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah. And then the offense won that again, and the offense won well, and the defense together in the Rose Bowl, which we're going to get to later. But, yeah, yeah, I thought that, that Nebraska game was monstrous. Well, let me talk about that for a second because by now, uh, look, I've said it, you've said it, kicking's always a big deal at Michigan State. There's Michigan State names on the kicking trophies around the Big Ten. Everyone listening or watching or that has followed your work and our work for years knows that. By this point in the season, Michigan State's got another stud freshman kicker, Mike Geiger. They got a fantastic and creative, smart player in Mike Sadler. The special teams was in a support role and producing. So I think that what you're saying is you got the three phases of the football team. After the Nebraska win, it's like, okay, these have all been tested, and we actually have three phases to rely on now in Michigan State football under Mark D'Antonio, which um, there was a tremendous foundation built for, but that I understand now what you're saying was kind of a moment where if we were at a stoplight, all of a sudden that stoplight is shining bright green that this thing should go forward from here. We can go through. It was the first time, John, that Nebraska game where all of a sudden you didn't hear defensive players bitching and moaning. 
Yeah. And 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 all of a sudden they started talking about, you know, hey, this and that, and look what we did, and look at the offense. And again, it, it to me it is a game that a lot of people would overlook when they're reviewing the schedule, but for people that are on the inside like we were, it was a monster game. And it was. And and you had Mike Sadler down and punts inside the 10, but you had the offense win the game. What you're talking about is everyone around Spartan football realized, holy cow, the Michigan State offense won a game for the first time since Cousins was around. And this is about the time I remember saying, Jeremy Langford is sneaky strong and sneaky fast. You know, he started the year... Nobody knew what he would do. All of a sudden, he's starting to run through teams and wear them out. And I do remember almost the feeling of on the heels in that Nebraska game because it's like, oh, no, these guys can actually move the ball. They've got athletes that can do some things. They did score 28, which turns out to be the last. I mean, that's the most points anyone scored the rest of the year. Turning point at Nebraska, if you want, let's just run through the Northwestern and Minnesota games, and then we'll tee up the the, the final uh, two big ones for our, our next or our slash final edition. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Going to Northwestern, it was never going to be close, was it? This At this point, this train is rolling. Oh, and Mark D'Antonio had a real fondness for Pat Fitzgerald. So when they got up huge, you knew Michigan State was not going to run up the score. Michigan State could have scored 60 that day. And that was Mark D'Antonio who didn't like running up the score on people he respected and liked who did it the right way. And to me, that game is one, okay, done, move on. Then you go to Minnesota. And this one, there was a little bit of frustration. I don't know if Mark was a little nervous because, you know, they're going to go to the Big Ten championship game. But there was – there was – there was some angst in the Spartan program because it was the coaches were tense. Um, you may remember this, John. I, I even told you who it was, but one of the captains called me and said, You got to F and talk to coach. Dear God, he's nervous and it's making everybody tight. Remember me telling you that? I do. And, and, and tight was the word that I had, I had looking back at my old notes, tight was the word I had yep. underlined. And they were super tight. And the problem was, is here was the Spartan dog team, man. They wanted to go out and crush Minnesota. They wanted to go make a statement. D'Antonio and the the staff were a little tight. And uh, Michigan State survived. And that's what it was. It was a survival. It really was. Um, 14-3, to really not anything outstanding for a senior day. And maybe this is a great point to – Um, wrap this show up because something happens that night that I talked to Mark D'Antonio about when I interviewed him outside of MSU Atlanta day this year. Um, I'm talking about the kick six. And the reason I mentioned this is we all remember the iron bowl finish. We all remember the best timeout Nick Saban ever called. Alabama tries to kick a field goal to win the game. That 
is turned into a kick return touchdown the other way. I want to get your thoughts and memories of this because when I was watching this, and I'm pretty sure I probably told you live after I realized what that had meant to me, the kick six meant that Michigan State was absolutely going to the Rose Bowl, barring anything wild like a massive blowout from Ohio State. After that kick six was done, I stood up and I said, we're going to the Rose Bowl. Did anyone around Michigan State catch that drift or make sense of that? Or were they staying right in the tunnel, locked in on what was going to happen with Ohio State? Oh, and I'm going to give Mark D'Antonio a huge respect call. He walks into the locker room, and there was a lot of guys excited. And you know Michigan State has the 24-hour role. And Mark D'Antonio said to him, basically, this isn't a quote, but basically, okay, now we're going up to the Big Ten championship game to take on. Do you want 24 hours? Or do you, will you give me that and start preparing for something a lot bigger and a lot more special? And he reminded him, I sent you that video. You know, he, he had been out that summer at the Rose Bowl. And he said to him, Hey, will you give it to me? And they did. And I will never forget, as long as I live, um, after the game, I went to where I usually go out to eat. There was no players. Hmm. And uh, nobody. And there were players' parents. So I sit down to eat with some of the players' parents because I was friends with several of the players' parents. And they're like, yeah, the kids are, like, watching film. They're all back at their dorms or over at the football building. And I remember hearing about it. And that night I texted one of the players and just said, Hey, what happened? And they told me that coach is like, you should celebrate this, but you just won the, I think it was the big 10 East or whatever it was. Uh, big yeah, 10 West. I, I don't remember. So they had some stupid name for it. Yeah. And yeah. It, it wasn't the West. It was something stupid. And um, they said it, it just hit us. And I've never seen a coach after a big win turn in the, the nodheads, the kids that probably weren't going to play, they were red shirting. So, hey, let's go out and enjoy Rick's and other places because we just won a football game. Everybody was on board. And coaches went back and started working immediately. Um, you know, it doesn't mean people didn't, hey, good game, celebrate that and eat. But it was a mentality of what have we gained if we go lose to Ohio State? And Mark D'Antonio and Urban Meyer, regardless of what either says, there was tension there. And it, maybe some uh, whatever the guys, you, however you want to clarify them. And this was a personal game. With all due respect to Deion Sanders, who recently talked to his kids about it was personal. That was the theme going into that game. Mark D'Antonio, this is personal. He yeah. doesn't think you belong here. A lot of people don't know this, but when Urban Meyer first got to Ohio State, he basically, at one of his first meetings with the Big Ten coaches, and I had several coaches tell me this, lectured the Big Ten, you are going to have to pick up your recruiting. And Urban Meyer had gone after the coaches a little bit and had some type of coaching gathering. I'm sure Urban would tell you he meant it in a fun way. 
<laughs> no, he didn't. And that wasn't how it was taken. And Mark, you know, hey, this is personal. You know, he, he doesn't think, you know, we recruit good enough. Well, let's go show him. And I will never forget, um, I read Jimmy Johnson's biography once where he was standing on the field before a Super Bowl, and I think it was his first one. And he said in the book, I knew we were going to win. I knew we were the better team. I knew we were better prepared. I knew we were going to win. Now, you may remember this, John. All week, I told everybody, Michigan State's going to win this. I got, I got, I did so many national interviews and people laughed at me. There's no way Mark D'Antonio's beating Urban Meyer. Nobody gave Michigan State a chance. And I just like, listen. And there was a, a part in the game where it looked like momentum was shifting. And I, I tweeted out, Michigan State's going to win this game. I've never in my entire life, before or after, been so confident in a football team. I just knew Michigan State was going to find a way to win. That was their mentality. It was personal. And it reminded me of this. In the Rocky Balboa movie, or the Rocky movie, I think it's four, where he goes to Russia to train. He turns to his wife, Adrian, and he says to her, you're right, this guy's bigger and better than me. But I'm going to give it everything I have, and I'm willing to die. And the only way he's going to get me to quit is to kill me. And so for him to beat me, he's got to be willing to die. And that Michigan State team delayed gratification of celebrating. They were all in. They were locked in. The coaches were locked in. The players were locked in. They were ready. And in, excuse my French, but the score didn't reflect it the way I'm saying it, but the pads on the field popping did. Michigan State whooped their ass. They did. That's a great way to tee up our next and final edition where we'll dig more into the Big Ten Championship game. We'll talk about what Danico Salas famously said before the game that's on tape when everyone watches the highlights. Then we'll talk about the Rose Bowl as well. What's interesting there is you talk about the mentality. Looking from the outside, I'm saying this team's going to the Rose Bowl no matter what they do. I thought it put them in a position to play light. Ohio State's got the 24-game win streak. We all know what happens. But we're doing this to go back and chase it again. We're going behind the scenes. Hondo remembers. I remember. Mark D'Antonio sure remembers. Go back and listen to some of the stuff he pulls out. Remember some very specifics that, and we just talked about it for a few minutes. I'll hopefully get him on the record for a while one day and really pull at, he's obviously busy right now, but, but pull at some of these real big details. We're chasing it again on the Fans First Sports Network, Spartan Pride Podcast, Ando Carpenter, Jonathan Shop. We'll see you next week as we wrap up this look back at the 2013 Michigan State Spartans, Rose Bowl champion, Big Ten champions.